stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. And we're going to read verses 23 and 24. We're going to uh, look through the entire chapter of the book of Genesis chapter 3. But I'm not going to take the time to read all of it right now. We'll read it as we uh, go through the message today. But I want to start with, uh, I want to read some of it. And that is Genesis chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. The Bible says, therefore the Lord God sent him, speaking of Adam, also Eve, sent them out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the effects of sin, the effects of sin. Father, I thank you once again for your incredible, your infallible, your life-altering, life-changing word. Again today, I pray that your word, God, will go forth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear your word today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll do your work in this house, all for the glory of God we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Sin has a negative effect on every area of our life. James chapter 4 and verse 17 says, Whoever knows the good that they ought to do, but does not do it, it is sin to them. So we understand that to sin is to miss the mark. To sin is to disobey God's law. Now, there are six things that I want to point out to you today as they relate to the effects of sin. Turn to your neighbor and say, did pastor say he has six points? Well, don't worry this morning. I'm going to cover them in 30 minutes. The first thing I want to call your attention to found in verses 1 through 3 of Genesis chapter 3. I want us to notice the command. Notice the command. Verse number 1 in chapter 3 of Genesis, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. First thing I want you to notice is, and that is God's commands are clear. God's commands are clear. Verse number three that we just read reveals this. See, God has provided man with all of the information that he needs to understand God's requirements of him He actually had them written down for us in Scripture. And if this is not enough, God gave man the Holy Spirit to convict him when he disobeys these Scriptures. And if that's not enough, God called pastors and teachers to remind us of these things. God's commands are clear. 
But although God's commands are clear, Satan makes them cloudy. Verse number one, Satan said, did God really say? Are you sure? Is that what God really said? And in verse number four, Satan said, you will not really die. See, see, Satan is an expert at making God's clear commands appear cloudy. He's a master manipulator. He's a creative liar. He knows how to twist the truth and make evil appear good and good appear evil. And what you need to understand about the enemy, about the devil is, and that is he always appeals to our flesh. And he comes to us and he says stuff like this. He says, how could something that makes you feel so good be so bad? The second thing I want to point out to you in Genesis chapter 3, and that is the compromise. And we, we see the compromise in verses 4 through 6. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Here's something else we need to understand this morning. That is, forbidden fruit looks delicious. Verse number 6, the Bible says that when the woman saw, when she what? When the woman saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye. See, you need to understand this morning, that is, forbidden fruit looks delicious. The devil knows how to dress up sin, does he not? See, see, man has an inordinate desire for what he can't have. See, for, for some reason, for some reason, what we can't have is more appealing to us than what we do have. See, you need to understand that it wasn't, it wasn't that Adam and Eve didn't have any fruit. I mean, they were surrounded by fruit. I mean, they lived in an orchard, for goodness sake. But although forbidden fruit looks delicious, understand this, and that is forbidden fruit is always destructive. Verse number 23 says, so, so the Lord banished them from the garden. James chapter 1 and verse 15 says that when sin is full grown, that it will give birth to death. The story is told about a man who had a pet rattlesnake. And the story is told that the man would whistle and the rattlesnake would come to him when he whistled. And when the rattlesnake would come to the man, the man would pat the head of the rattlesnake and he would allow the rattlesnake to wrap itself around his neck. But one day, the rattlesnake dug its fangs deep into the skin of the man. And as the man was dying, the man said to the snake, said, why did you bite me? You were my pet. Why did you bite? Because I'm a rattlesnake. 
And that's what rattlesnakes eventually do. I'm convinced in my heart this morning that there's somebody here today and you have tasted the forbidden fruit. And you have made a pet out of sin. And you think you're getting by with it. But sin is like a rattlesnake. Its very nature is to bite you. And in time, it will. Forbidden fruit is always destructive. The third thing that I, that I see in Genesis chapter 3, and that is I see the company. And we can see this in verses 6 and 7. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit, she ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Sin always includes others. Verse number 6 says, she also gave some to her husband. Say also. See, see, sin always includes an also. See, see, sinners are not satisfied with their, with their sin, or they're not selfish with their sin. Sinners share their sin with others. For example, the gossip loves to assemble a holy huddle, which is actually an unholy huddle. But not only does sin include others, but sin always infects others. Verse number seven, when the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized, or then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. Say both of them. See, see, here's the problem with sin. It doesn't stay home. It doesn't play fair. It doesn't just affect the guilty. Sin shares its misery and and residual effects with so many people. Hear me this morning, hear me. You cannot sin unto yourself. Oh, people say, well, I'm going to do this and it won't affect anybody else. I can do this, it won't bother anybody else. I can do this and it won't hurt anybody else. No, no, no. No, you cannot sin unto yourself. It It is impossible to sin unto yourself. You cannot sin without hurting other people. And often it is many people that get hurt in the way of your sin. And even so often it's the people that you love the most. Because sin always infects others. The fourth thing that I see, aren't you loving the way we're just moving right along this morning? The fourth thing that I find in, the, in Genesis chapter 3, now we find the conviction. And we find the, the conviction in verses 7 through 13. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam 
and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said to Adam, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. May I suggest this morning that sin makes us uncomfortable in God's presence. Verse number 8 says, when they, when they heard the sound of God coming toward them, they hid themselves. Oh, oh, every evening, the Bible said, in the cool of the evening, God would come down and he would walk with Adam and he would talk and he would walk with Eve and he would fellowship and he would commune and they would enjoy glorious fellowship. But after that, they sinned. After they sinned, when they heard God coming toward them, oh, oh, conviction came upon them because they had sinned. Oh, and sin makes us uncomfortable in the presence of God. And so Adam and Eve found a place to hide from God. There are people that are not here this morning that a year ago they were here or three years ago they were here or five years ago they were here but they are not here anymore. They don't come anymore. Why? Why? Because they are living in sin. Why? Because they are away from God. Why? Because sin makes us uncomfortable in the presence of God. We cannot continue to sin and enjoy the presence of God. Some of you this morning are very uncomfortable with this message and especially this part of the message today because the Holy Spirit is here right now and he is convicting you of sin, sin that you know that you are practicing. You are living outside of the will of God. You are living outside of God's best for you. You know what to do, but yet you are not doing it. You know what you ought not do, but you continue to do it and you think that you can get by with it and you think everything is all right and you think you can go along and nothing is ever going to change. But oh, when the Spirit of God shows up, you become very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable in the presence of God when you have sin in your life. Talking about the conviction. Sin makes us uncomfortable in God's presence. But listen, what we need to understand is that conviction is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. When we talk about the conviction of the Holy Spirit, oftentimes it has a negative connotation to it. But I'm telling you this morning that conviction is not a bad thing. Conviction is a good thing. Listen, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins for a purpose and a reason. And that is so that we may see the error of our ways and that we may turn back to God. But here's the problem all too often. Sin makes us unwilling to take responsibility for our actions. And such was the case with Adam and Eve. You find this in verses 12 and 13. Adam said to God, said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent, it was the serpent that deceived me. See, man often shrugs off conviction and makes excuses for his sins trying to justify 
his actions. Well, she wasn't meeting my needs, he says. Or she says, he was so busy with his business, he had no time for me. That's, that's why I had the affair. That's, that's why I fell into adultery. That's why, that's why, that's, that's why. And we, we always try to make excuses for our sin. Here's what I know this morning. That is, Satan will always give us an excuse to sin. And he will always provide us someone to blame for our actions. The fifth thing that I I see in our our scripture for today, Genesis chapter 3, is the curse. And we find the curse in verses 14 through 24. It says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you will bring forth children. Your desire will be to your husband and he's going to rule over you. And then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God also made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand, And take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim up the east of the garden of Eden and flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Let me suggest first of all here this morning that is that a sinful life is a difficult life. A sinful life is a difficult life. Life. You see, before sin entered into the world, life was intended to be like a child's storybook. The will of the Lord originally was for life to begin with once upon a time and end with, and they lived happily ever after. That was the original plan of God. But sin messed it all up. Sin made man's life difficult, demanding, and disappointing. Proverbs 13 and 15 says, the way of the sinner is hard. See, see, people think that it's hard to be a Christian. In fact, fact, some people would say, well, you know, I would live for God. I would get saved. I would become a Christian, but it's just too hard. If it wasn't so hard to live for God, I would be a Christian. People think it's hard to be a Christian, but the Bible says that the sinner is the one that has the hard life. 
I just read it to you, Proverbs 13 and 15. The way of the sinner is hard. Hear me this morning. Hear me today. Listen, listen. Don't feel sorry for me because I'm a Christian. Don't feel sorry for me because I'm saved. Don't feel sorry for me because I do my best to live uh, uh, as the Word of God teaches me to live. Don't, don't, listen, if you're a sinner here this morning, don't feel sorry for me because I'm a Christian. Listen, I've seen what sin can do to people's lives. I've seen the effects of sin. I want to tell you this morning, I have absolutely no jealousy towards sinners today. Listen, I believe with all of my heart that I haven't missed out on anything. I don't believe that I have missed out, missed out on, on anything. Listen, I want you to know that I'm living the abundant life. Listen, Jesus has not only saved me, but he also satisfies me. I've learned the joy of the Lord. I've learned the joy of walking and fellowshipping and communing with God. I, I Listen, listen, sin, sin has no appeal to me. I'm telling you, I'm not missing out on anything. I'm living the abundant life. In Jesus. Sinful life is a difficult life. And a sinful life is a divisive life. Verse 15 that we read, God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her. John 10 and 10 says that, this, that the devil, the thief, Satan comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. I would submit to you today that sin divides families, it divides friendships, and it divides fortunes. We're talking about the effects of sin today. No one sins and gets by with it. I would say to you today that sin never adds to or multiplies your life, but it always subtracts and divides. Well, you might be sitting there this morning and you might be thinking, Pastor, you have, you have said a lot of negative things today. Pastor, don't you have anything positive for us today? And the answer is, I sure do. Fact of the matter is, I've saved the best until last. The sixth thing I want to talk to you about today, and that is the cure. I want to talk about the cure. And we find the cure in the book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 3, verses 23 through 26. Oh, turn there, get that, underline it, amen, get, get it in, in your notes, circle it. Man, I, this, this is some powerful, powerful, incredible, wonderful, glorious scripture. Romans, chapter 3, verse 23 through 26 Paul writes and he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are freely, or, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. I want us to notice two things here this morning, and that is everyone is a sinner. Every 
everyone is a sinner. Verse 23 says, all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. How many have sinned? How many are guilty? Has anyone other than Jesus Christ lived above sin? You might be thinking, Pastor, you're still being negative. Well, hold on, cool your jets. I'm slow, but I'm worth waiting on. Are you ready? Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Well, ready or not, here I come, amen. Yes, everyone is a sinner. Yes, all are guilty. Hurry up, pastor. All right, all right. Hear me this morning. The effects of sin can be annihilated by the Savior. The effects of sin can be what? Can be what? By whom? The word annihilate means to destroy. It means to demolish. It means to exterminate. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 8 says the reason why Jesus came. Why did Jesus came? Well, it tells us in 1 John 3 and 8, the reason why Jesus came was to annihilate. The reason Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. Back to Romans 3. Verses 24 through 26, notice these phrases. Underline them if you've got them in your Bible, unless you've got them on your phone. Maybe you can highlight it. I don't know if you can or not, but if you can, do it. Notice these phrases in verses 24 through 26 of Romans 3. Notice notice the phrase, all are justified freely. Say justified freely. Now the term justification means to to be made just as if we never sin. See, Jesus doesn't just save us, but Jesus justifies us. And justification means to make us just as if we had never sinned. Notice the word freely. All are justified freely. Say freely. Freely, freely means no expense to us. If you get something free, how much does it cost you? Does it cost somebody? But to you, it is free. If it is free to you, that means that means that means that that, that there, there is no expense to you. Oh, oh! Paul says that we are all justified freely, freely, no expense. To us, listen, there's no way that we can purchase our own salvation. It's far too expensive for us to afford. It's above our pay grade. We can't get there. It's too expensive for us to afford. So Jesus paid the price for us. It's called grace. Notice this phrase, by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. How did it come? How did it come? By his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, redemption didn't come by us. Not by our good works, not by anything else that we could ever offer or we could ever do. Redemption only comes by the grace of God. 
And then notice this phrase in verse 25. God presented Christ. Oh, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whoever would believe upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. God presented his son, Jesus Christ. Notice this phrase in verse 25. Through the shedding of his blood. Now, Hebrews 9 and 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And finally, notice this phrase is found in verse 25 as well, to be received by faith. To be received by faith. Yes, the effects of sin can be annihilated by the Savior, but only, say only, but only by faith. Verse 25, again, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood Oh, don't leave this next part out, and that is to be received by faith. To receive by what? Be received by what? And finally, notice the last part of verse 26. He justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Who does the Lord, who does God justify? Does he justify everybody? Who does God justify? I just read it to you. He justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Oh, the old hymn writer had it right when he wrote, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If I could have some help on the platform this morning, please. Father, I thank you for your word again today. God, you said your word would not return into you void, but it would accomplish that which you intend for it to accomplish. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will do your work of conviction today. Holy Spirit, would you do your work of illuminating the word that has been presented today and convincing man to respond to the word that has been received, they have received, that has been presented today. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray.